okay, is evaluation glory of Jesus. Now, I picked the word evaluatefully there because here's what I want you to think about dating is not a commitment to somebody else at all. The only thing you're committing to is putting them on the spot and evaluating them in a number of different categories. So here's what I want you to learn to do, and we're going to look at Ephesians 5, a marriage passage in the New Testament. The reason we're going to look at Ephesians 5 about marriage is because I think that the end is going to clarify the means for you. So we're basically going to reverse engineer this. If you're aiming at this type of marriage, then this is the process that you need to go through. So the first thing we're going to see is that Christian dating is evaluating friendship. Okay, I'm going to read all of the passage that we're going to look at from Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33, and then we're going to just break it down. Okay, so it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I think this is a perfect passage to kind of unwind the cultural narrative about romance. Because something that you may not have noticed about the text is that the text actually does talk about sex. But it talks about sex at the very end of the passage. When the Apostle Paul who wrote this said that a man and a woman become one flesh, the evidence that you've become one flesh with somebody is sexual union. So sex is supposed to happen in Christianity in the context of a marriage between one one man and one woman. And I know that gets a total bad rap, sometimes even among Christian circles. But here's the reason for that. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that the safe context for sexual union is a union between best friends. Here's where I'm getting that from the text. Okay, Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then what we have in this passage is a description of what friendship with that definition, laying down your life for somebody else, looks like in the context of marriage. So from a wife's perspective, he uses the words submit and respect. And I want to get into the word respect there at the end. It says the ideal for Christian marriage is that a woman would respect her husband. And what that means is that she would stand 
in amazement of her husband. Here's what's going to happen if you mainly base your dating relationship with somebody on superficial things like physical attraction and charisma. What's going to happen if you marry that person is they will immediately become way less attractive than they were when you were dating them. Because marriage is very practical. It's about unloading the dishwasher. It's about mowing the lawn. It's about making the bed. It's about being considerate to one another. And so here's what the Apostle Paul is saying to you young ladies. He's saying, here's what you're looking for. You want to marry somebody, which means you want to date somebody that you are holistically attracted to, that has the type of character that 40 years from now, you'll be like, wow. So they might not be the most physically attractive person. They might not be the most charming person. But he says, in the long run, they will be the most attractive person. Because what you really want is somebody who's going to lay down their life for you. What you really want is a man like this who cares more about your own interests than his own interests. What you really want is somebody who's kind and considerate. That's what's actually really attractive. That's what you're looking for. And guys, the calling for you is to be a person in marriage someday who cares as much about someone else's interests as you care about your own, who nourishes and cherishes your wife in the same way that you nourish and cherish your own self, that you love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here's the danger in dating. Here's what tends to happen is the physical relationship can be electric at first. You start dating somebody, the physical relationship just takes off. You're like magnets, you wanna be together all the time, and sexual things start happening. Here's the problem with that. Sexual things lie to you. Because the purpose that God designed sex for was to say, I'm this committed to you. But dating is not a commitment. So you're making a lie with your bodies. You haven't really committed to a covenant relationship where sexual union is appropriate, and yet you're saying with your bodies something that you haven't said with your lives. And so what happens in that context is you start to believe, especially you ladies, that he is way more committed to you than he actually is. Here's what guys will do. If you give them your body they will not commit to you. It's just a sociological fact. The sooner that sex is introduced into a relationship, the less likely it is that a man will commit to you. Why? Because you've already told him that you've committed to him. Why would he wait for you? And so, therefore, the Apostle Paul lays out this framework for relationship where friendship and laying down your life is the foundation, and sex comes only in the context of a covenant-committed relationship. 
Okay, here's what I think that means for you all right now as you do evaluation of who you would be willing to date and what the evaluation process looks like in dating. Okay, I want you to think of the person right away. Let's say I say to you, you are gonna go to a concert and you wanna think of the most fun person to go to a concert with, who would you invite to go with you? Okay, somebody just came to your mind, all right? Now, think about the question, you're gonna move and you need somebody to help you move. Who are you gonna ask you to help you move? Okay, here's what I'm saying, very practically. The second person that you thought of is the better person to date than the first person. What you're looking for is not a good time, you're looking for a good friend. You ask a friend to help you move, you ask somebody who you're gonna have fun with to go to a concert with you. Now, I'm not saying that people who are good at helping move and aren't gonna be fun at the concert, and it's fine if they're fun at the concert too. But what I'm saying is, this gets super practical. You don't want to marry somebody who is superficial, self-focused, and not committed as a friend. So if they don't pass the friend test, they shouldn't pass the dating test. You want to marry your best friend. And so the evaluation process in dating needs to be, are they a good friend? Okay, so the first thing, Christian dating is evaluating friendship. The second thing is that Christian dating is evaluating character. Now, where I'm getting that from in this text is verses 25 and verse 26, getting into verse 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. So here's what Paul is saying is the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is to be like a furnace. Here's what that means. It means you think that you want to get married but it, because it's going to be hot in one way, the sexual way. But here's what Paul is saying. Marriage is going to be hot in a different kind of way, a sanctifying way, a cleansing way. So our culture says this. Here's what you're looking for. You're looking for a romantic partner who meets all of your needs and doesn't want to change anything about you. Here's what the Apostle Paul says you should want. You should want somebody who wants to change you because they want you to be more like Jesus. And you should be the type of person as a Christian who wants to change and become more like Jesus. You want to be sanctified. And so what you're looking for, what you're evaluating if you're dating somebody is not, is this person a perfect person, but is this person a repentant person? Is this person somebody who owns their own mistakes, faults, failures, and sins? And then the other thing that you're looking for is does this person challenge me to change? 
Does this person speak the truth to me and tell me what's real and what's right? And the reason that you would want that in a relationship is because if your heart has been changed by Jesus, your greatest desire is no longer your own happiness. Your greatest desire is your holiness. You want to be like Christ. You want to be changed. And so what you're evaluating in the relationship is, does this person have an equal desire to run after Jesus, to be changed by him, to be sanctified by him, and to be washed clean? Okay, the other thing that you're evaluating in the relationship is, can I hear the truth from this particular person? Because here's the thing, okay? We're getting into compatibility a little bit here. There's some people who have a high desire to change. They're repentant people. They speak the truth, but not in a way that you can hear it, right? Some of us are more sensitive by nature, and we need somebody who is a little bit more accommodating and soft in the way that they speak truth. Others of us are more temperamentally tough, and we're okay if somebody just gives it to us straight. So it's not this super easy, clear thing, but I think you guys will figure that one out in real time. So in that way, I think it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like picking a major. Okay, again, I said, I'm not trying to make this like super romantic or anything. I just want this to be like, you know, down at the ground level. Okay, but some of you, right, are wired to be engineers. Some of you are like, I could never be an engineer. But what are you saying? If you're signing up for engineering classes, you're saying, I want to be formed as an engineer. If you're in a bunch of teaching classes, you're saying, I want to be formed as a teacher. And in dating, what you're looking for and evaluating about that other person is, do I want to be formed and to be shaped in my relationship with Jesus by this particular person over the course of my life? Not just are they a Christian, but are we compatible in this particular way? Okay, so Christian dating is evaluating friendship, it's evaluating character, and finally, Christian dating is evaluating vision. Okay, the place that I'm getting that from in this text is, Apostle Paul says something weird in this passage. Verse 32, he says, this mystery is profound. He's talking about marriage. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Okay, so he's saying the purpose of Christian marriage is to display for a watching world what the love of Jesus is like for his bride, the church. So it is a visible representation of what Jesus has done for us. So just as Christ has laid down his life for us and we have responded back with love and admiration for him, so a husband ought to lay down his life for his wife and she ought to respond in admiration for him so that the watching world goes, whoa, this is different. Now here's what Paul is saying. Christian marriage is about worship. The primary purpose of it 
is not personal self-fulfillment. It's to honor King Jesus. But here's where it gets a little bit tricky as you evaluate who you're dating and if that's going to go anywhere. You're evaluating not just, is this person a genuine converted person? Are they a worshiper of King Jesus? Do they love him? Do they serve him? Not just because I come to Salt Company, they come to Salt Company. They come to Salt Company to worship Jesus. It's a great question. You're not just asking that question. You're also asking a second question, which is, do we have the same vision? Do we have the same calling on our lives? Because there's tons of different ways to serve Jesus. And some of you might want to serve Jesus overseas as a missionary. Some of you might want to serve Jesus as a stay-at-home mom. Some of you might want to serve Jesus working in the business world. And if those two visions don't align, it doesn't matter how good of friends you are, and it doesn't matter how much your character is being changed. If your lives aren't going in the same direction, then you are on a collision course for disaster. And so you're trying to ask the question, are we headed in the same direction. I remember a super critical conversation that I had with my wife, Melissa. So she was um, on staff in full-time ministry. I was a student at the time that we started dating. And right after we started dating, she went for a summer to China as a missionary. And I was working, I was raising money, working on getting into ministry myself. She came back, and she said to me, I feel like God might be calling me to be a missionary long-term in China. And I remember being so tempted to just be like, yep, me too, let's, let's do that, because I love this girl so much. And, and so I wanted to lie, but I didn't, and, and held back, and, and I was honestly just destroyed, because the friendship was there, the fun was there, the, the character was there, like everything was like a go, let's, let's roll. And she says that, and I remember I left her parents' house in Ohio, I'm driving back to my parents' house in Indiana, and I'm just like, okay, I guess it's over. Like that, that, that's it, she wants to go there, I'm, I'm getting called in a different direction. And I remember picking up my old Samsung flip phone, and uh, giving her a call and saying, Melissa, here's what I know. God is calling me to plant a church in the United States. And that's been the call that he's had on my life since I was a sophomore in college. And so if he's calling you to go to China, go to China. But I want you to, to rethink it. And maybe, maybe he's calling you to follow me as I follow Christ. And she said for her, that was a game-changing conversation. And guys, I'm telling you, the fruit of a relationship like the one I just described is amazing. I'm not telling you this is going to be perfect, that everything's always going to go well. I'm telling you, I remember our pastor 
in uh, pre-marriage counseling. Super nice guy, like way nicer than me. His wife was super sweet. And I remember him saying to us, he's like, I remember waking up five years into marriage and I was like, I think I made the biggest mistake of my life. Like, I'm not, guys, this is not like roses and candles and all that. Like, it gets real. It gets hard. I don't know if you've heard, like, part of Melissa and I's story. We went from zero to four kids at once. The way you do that is with nine months to go in an adoption process, your wife gets pregnant with twins. So, like, we have been through some crap. We've lost a child. I mean, we have had some terrible days, probably terrible years, of marriage. We've been married for 15 years. But what I'm telling you is that this is God's plan for marriage. Okay, so, okay, I'm, I'm way up in the air. I'm giving you a vision. Now I'm going to give you seven things, seven really practical things for you in your seat right now to work toward that, that vision. Okay, because that's super impractical, what I just did. But hopefully it's helpful. All right. First thing is you need to be intentional, not casual, as you date. Guys, just ask her out. Okay, I know you got all this fancy stuff now. You got Snapchat, you got Facebook, you got Instagram, you got text messaging, you got all that crap. Don't use it. Just look her right in the eyes and say... Will you go out with me? Listen to these ladies, okay? Okay, now, now listen. Listen, girls, I know you're all clapping. I know you're all clapping. You got to give him something, though. Okay, like, like us dudes, we try to act like we're tough. You, we try to act like we're, we're courageous and whatever. Like, like, I can stand in front of a group, group of people like this and talk. But when it came to asking this girl out, I was terrified. I, was at, I asked her out. She said yes. I didn't have a plan after that. I almost fell off her front steps. <laughs> All right? But you, it's okay to give him some kind of indication and to understand the particular situation. Let me give you one story, okay? I had a friend named Adam in college. And he had no idea that this girl who was two years older than us in a ministry about this size, really liked him. So here's what she did. She gave him a ride home from the ministry one night, and she dropped him off at his dorm. She lived in a house, and she goes, Adam, if you asked me out, I would say yes. <laughs> and I never, I will never forget, my friend Adam walks up to my dorm room, he goes, Val von Nutten just said if, that, if I asked her out, she would say yes. And I was like, what did you do? He goes, I didn't know what to say. I'm like... <laughs> What? <laughs> you should have asked her out. He's like, I know. I think it took him two days. But you might have to give him a little bit of help. All right? Okay, second thing. Dating needs to be relational, not sexual. Okay, like I said before, sexual stuff will blind you to the evaluation process. And you could make a really big mistake about who you marry if it gets sexual early. So here's what that looked like. Melissa and I, it was like electricity went between our fingers when we were dating. So here's what I had to do. Literally, I had to schedule our hangouts in public places, and at times, we would be hanging out at her house, 
and you know things would start to happen in our bodies and I would book it, like literally just <laughs> run out without saying anything to her. I'm like, hey, baby, I gotta go. And I just run out. Why did I do that? Because I didn't wanna have sex with her? No, I really did. The reason that I ran out is because I wanted to honor her, honor Jesus, and continue to evaluate our relationship without beer goggles on, all right? And that's important that you do that. Okay, third thing, dating should be communal, not isolated. The Bible says he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And get real scared if your relationship just pulls away from every authority figure and every friend. You got to date people in community, which means you should be asking people, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about this girl? And then listen to them and understand that they have a way more accurate lens of that person than you do because you're likely infatuated with them. And so you have to listen you have to surround yourself with wise counselors because with much wise counsel, plans succeed, okay? Fourth thing, be truthful, not flattering, okay? It's very tempting when you're in a dating relationship to tell the other person what you think they want to hear because you want them to continue to like you. But if you are seeking to honor God in the relationship, you have to get to a point in your relationship where you can be truthful with them. I don't think that in the dating process, you should decide to get engaged before you've had a significant conflict. You need to be able to have real, substantive conversations with each other about faults and failings and sin along the way. Truthful, not flattering. Flattering is just blowing smoke. It's just trying to make somebody feel good about themselves. We're aiming at something much higher than that as Christians. We are seeking, whether the relationship works out or not, that the person across from us, as a brother or sister in Christ, would grow in their relationship with him. And that happens only as we speak truth to one another in love. Okay, number five, be wise, not foolish. Okay, this is one of my rants for college students. There's not just the categories in the Bible of sin and righteousness. There are also the categories of wisdom and foolishness. So although it's not sin to eat a blender, it is not wise to do so, for example. All right, in the process of dating, if all you're doing is watching movies together, you're not getting a very accurate picture of that person's character. And so, you need to see each other in a lot of different contexts. You need to serve together. You need to come to events like this together. You need to meet each other's friends. You need to meet each other's families. But that's not going to happen by accident because we're all going to drift toward comfort. And when you start dating, somebody. It's so exciting that all you want to do is be with that person, but if all you're doing is chilling with that person and they really like you and you really like them, you're not really learning anything about them. So you need to make wise decisions if you're going to truly see them for who they are and evaluate their character 
accurately. Okay, number six, be prayerful, not impulsive. Okay, so here's what that means. It means you need to bring God into the relationship. That doesn't necessarily mean that you bring God into the relationship together. Because there's also like, I'm not saying you can't pray together if you're dating. I don't want to be legalistic or anything like that. But there's an intimacy that happens when you pray together. So what I'm saying is you need to be prayerful about dating. You need to bring God into it and not just be asking the question, how do I feel about this person? But God, is our relationship honoring to you? And is this the person you have me with? Okay, so prayerful, not impulsive, not driven by your feelings, but driven by God and his word. And then number seven, be normal, not hyper-spiritual. Okay, girls, if a guy ever says to you, God told me to ask you out, said, say back to them, God told me you're a creep. Okay, like just guys, don't do that. Don't, girls, don't do that. Like if you don't want to go out on a date with a guy, don't say I prayed about it. Just say, I don't like you. Like let's just be straight up with each other, be honest with each other, and not blame God that we don't like each other. That's okay. It's better to hurt somebody's feelings in the room than it is to dishonor God by like blaspheming his name, basically throwing it in there. I've never heard somebody, God mentioned so many times in a college ministry that when it comes to this stuff, right? It's like, it's God's fault that I don't like you. Really? Huh, interesting. All right. Hey guys, here's my heart in all this, in sharing all this with you guys. I am taking my daughter, Aria, on her fifth grade trip at the end of this year. Okay, I have twin 10-year-olds, I have a 14-year-old, I have a 12-year-old, and I have a seven, almost eight-year-old. So my kids are closer in age to you than I am, which is really humbling for me. But, um, so when I look out at this room, I want what I want for my daughter, Aria, for all of you. And what I'm going to tell my daughter, Aria, what I told her today, even as I was talking to her about this message and told her that I was going to say this, I said, Aria, do not settle for somebody who loves you less than I love you. And the whole purpose of our trip is to tell my daughter that she is worth waiting for, that she is worth a real man of God, who's going to love her, who's going to protect her, who's going to pursue her, and who's not going to consume from her, but is going to give himself for her. Guys, the world is watching us. And what I want for you is for you to marry a real Christian, to date real Christians, so that you experience through another person the love of Jesus and you give the love of Jesus to someone else. So let's pray. Then my beautiful wife's going to come up. We're going to do a little panel. Jesus, uh, thank you for this crowd. Um, I, I just pray for, for those in the room. I, I know that I just cast this big vision and gave godly principles, but Jesus... We're here because we believe in your grace and your forgiveness. And so 
I know there's a lot of people, myself included, who have not done this well, who have made a lot of mistakes, who feel a lot of regret, and I ask that you would uh, rescue them from that, give them a vision, and fill them with um, your spirit and your power, but also just give courage and, and that dating would be fun in Salt Company too. In Jesus' name, amen.